Good evening. It is Tuesday the 28th of March and this is the Tuescast and I have learnt how to make a fool, a raspberry and mascarpone fool because um, I came home and I really wanted something to eat and I'd bought this tub of mascarpone and I didn't really know what to do with it and I had some raspberries and I wanted to eat them. And I googled raspberries and mascarpone and it said that you can just mash them all together with a fork and sprinkle a bit of caster sugar on it. And you've created something rather delightfully called a fool. So perhaps I should call this episode The Fool on the Hill. Except I don't really like that song. It makes me think of Red Fool and I pity the fool. And just, what are you looking at, fool? Something wonderful about the way that expression of fool is. But I don't really think they were talking about desserts. I watched an episode of Broadchurch because I have run out of space on the hard disk drive of my PVR thingamabobby um, because I hoard TV. And I um, really want to keep up with Broadchurch because... It's so great. It's such a good show. But like I was saying last week, there are times when you really don't feel like watching anything that serious and intense and you don't really know which direction it's going to send your emotions. But um, I watched episode three of season three last night and um, hopefully I'll get a chance to watch episode four. But I'm watching on iView. I really like iView. I think um, they've done a wonderful job, the ABC, of keeping ahead with digital technology. And sometimes I think that's the real reason why Michelle Guthrie got put in that job. She's trying to break the ABC down because the companies that are up against the ABC and the digital marketplace that didn't invest in digital technology because they didn't feel the necessity, you know, the ones who sort of rested on their laurels in print and radio and TV for too long. And now they want what the ABC has built for itself. So they've sent her in to try and destroy them. I don't think they'll win, but I still don't like what's happening. I consider myself a friend of the ABC, and I wouldn't call her a friend of the ABC. And um, I'm still reading The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker, which is excellent. I also got The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, which I'm enjoying. And I went to a really, really good fair the other week, and I got a few more books. What else did I get? I got Progress by Johan Norberg. I got a copy of On Death and Dying by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I got Chavs by Owen Jones, which is about the demonisation of the working class. And Man Drought by Bernard Salt, which I haven't really read. Warren Buffett's The Snowball. And the quote on the back of The Snowball is so wonderful. It says, Life is like a snowball. The important thing is finding a wet snow and a really long hill. I really like Warren Buffett. You know, it's very easy to think that people who've made a lot of money are evil because so many of them are. But Warren Buffett seems to be a pretty well-balanced person from my observations. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in investing. I don't even know what that means, but I kind of would like to find out. (laughs) So I've got a few Warren Buffett books. I've got one called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. I haven't read that. Yet. I did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a really good book. And I also have a copy of something else. 
Um, oh, I've forgotten which one I was going to mention. I've got so many books. There was a, and I never get tired of buying books. I never get tired of looking at books and thinking of books and bookshops are wonderful. There was this great bookshop back in Adelaide when I was growing up. Um, well, you know, when I was in my adolescence and exploring adult culture, I suppose. And um, they used to make beautiful bookmarks that you could get from the counter. And it was where I started reading children's books, children's picture books, which I still have a, a real love for. And um, there was one of their bookmarks said, where is human nature so weak as in the bookstore? And I definitely identify with that. I can't bear to see people throwing away books. I rescue books like I rescue teddy bears. I just can't bear the idea that someone doesn't love them. <laughs> Something about that strikes me as just too horribly sad. So you can imagine how much stuff I have, really. Don't try it. Don't try and imagine how much stuff I have. You'll get claustrophobia of your mind. You'll get a, um extreme hoarder vision. You won't be able to sleep. <laughs> Getting towards the end of the term, the school term. Everyone's getting tired. And it does sort of make me think a bit about... Well, there's been a couple of political events lately. One that I want to mention, which is the speech that Jackie Lambie made in the Senate. There was two. There was one... I don't even... Actually, I'm not sure if it was two different speeches or if it was the same speech broken into sections and I heard it in different pieces on the ABC. So I listen to the ABC as I drive to work in the morning. Fran Kelly. Fran Kelly has this very sort of maternal, you know... I don't know if that's the right way of talking about it, but she talks to you like she's very familiar, like she she's very comforting. I also really like... Patricia Carvalis, she's great as well. I really like her. And Sabra Lane, I think that's just the most wonderful name. She sounds like something out of a novel, Sabra Lane. Um, so Fran Kelly was on the radio this morning and they were talking about something, but that's not related to the Jackie Lambie bit. They played a section, that's right, they played a section of the Jackie Lambie bit where she says something about, he's forgotten about the battlers. And just the way she said the word, and I was thinking how different that expression of the word battlers was from you know, John Howard's battlers. When John Howard says battlers, you don't get the feeling that he's one of them. You never got the feeling that he was one of them. It was almost like he'd managed to corral the political energies of an underclass that he never belonged to and never should have had the right to access. Whereas Jackie Lambie spitting out the word battlers at the end of that speech that she made or whenever it came in the speech that she made, you knew she was one of them. You knew she was speaking from experience. And it reminds me of the other political um, speech that happened in the UK Parliament not long ago where a, a member of Parliament mentioned that he had been a bus driver and there was a ripple of laughter that went around the ruling classes in the British Parliament because they thought that was funny. And it's just, it does make you sort of go, okay, just, just take a moment, have a think about that. They thought that was funny for a, a person to have been a perfectly respectable, employed bus driver. Like, what? You didn't inherit a castle. Ha, 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 ha. And it's sort of, I think in Australia, it really harks back to the fact that we're not allowed to talk about class. Class is invisible in Australia because apparently we're all, we're not equal. But 
there's this lovely fallacy, this beautiful myth, which I'm sure will get rolled out because Anzac Day is coming up and that's the great national mythological rallying point for the white Western Australian identity, Christian, white Western Australian Christian identity that is the Anzac spirit. I love Anzac Day. Don't get me don't get me wrong. By any means, I love Plague Two up, and I like going to the the the, the march, and I enjoy the service. But there's an element of it that feels exclusive, and not inclusive. It isn't a multicultural event, really, is it? Anzac Day. It's a it's a white Christian event, and you think about how those Indigenous soldiers were treated after fighting in the wars. They weren't even allowed in the RSL, and yet. You know, I don't know. So I really enjoyed Jackie Lambie's speech and also the one that she made about um, the Turnbull government's plan to cut the welfare payments. You know, if you knew what it meant to these people, you wouldn't do it. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful speech. And um, Trump's suffered a loss, hasn't he? Ooh, he couldn't get the um, repeal of Obamacare through a Republican Senate and a Republican Congress, which is really fascinating. There's a great article. It's an open letter to Donald Trump, Maureen O'Dowd? No, Maureen, Maureen something. Um, it's either in the New Yorker or the New York Times. It's really, really good. And it's written like a letter. So you'd be able to find it. It was only published in the last couple of days. And I, you know, I, I should put more of these things up on the Tuesdays website. A Facebook thing because that would be a good place to put links. I'm always I've set myself a little task this week of not trying not to post about gender inequality and housing affordability for one week. I think I broke my rule, my 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 promise yesterday. I think I was, it was late at night and I found an article and I just put it up on my Facebook. But I've been reading some philosophy recently that says that the things that you focus on are the things that happen. You know, the things that you give your energy to are the things that manifest in your life. And so if I'm only ever focused on gender inequality and housing unaffordability, does that mean I'm bringing that into my life? Which is exactly what I don't want, you know. I want to be able to afford to buy a home and I want to feel like an equal. Not based on anything other than my ability to contribute to my workplace, you know. I went off on a little tangent just then. Anyway, it's late on a Tuesday and I am hanging in there and I hope you are because Lord Lord fucking knows this life isn't easy and I wish you well and for better or worse, I will see you next Tuesday. So have a good night, have a good week, and I'll see you then.